It's time for movies and television with uh, the doyen of radio critics, uh, Philip Malloy. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you, Shosha. And congratulations. Last night in Wexford, a fellowship award, no less to you. Tell me about it. Well, it was the, the the Wexford Film Society, basically, which they award a fellowship every year for, um, well, it's called a fellowship every year for, uh, well, what the, as well, what they call services to the film industry. So last night, John Borman was down and he made this award. John Borman? Mm. Wow. So we did, uh, we, 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 the award was made and then we did a Q&A, which was, was great. It was really lively. It was a full house. And uh, there were a, a very kind of responsive audience. And uh, he has, uh, in the the, the uh, autumn winter program um, down there, he has two films in. He has Deliverance in and he has the, the new movie Queen and Country. But, Philip, really, we're not, we're not interested in John Borman. We're interested in Philip Malloy well, Fellowship. I, ah, no, no, yeah. uh, from the Wexford Film Society. It's mm. extraordinary testament to your work. Well, I suppose, and I want to say that very, very good. <laughs> That's very nice of you. I mean, I'm, and uh, most of it in recent times has been on on this station. When did you first fall in love with the movies? Very young, I suppose. Yeah, hard wooden yeah. seats, probably. Well, yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll t- tell you all this very quickly. The situation in Wexford in the sixties and seventies, when I was a kid, it was uh, that we had three cinemas in the in the in the town, uh, the Capital and the Abbey. First of all, were two first run houses, and one of the amazing things about it, George, is they actually changed the movie every second night. It was incredible, and that. After that, we had a place called the Cinema Palace, which showed um, uh, double bills of old movies all the time. So you had the new stuff coming out and you had the old stuff. And it was almost like, a, a, you know, a film sort of repertory sort of situation. Um, so what happened was um, my grandfather uh, was housebound at a place called Bride Place in Wexford. Uh, but he kept uh, caged birds. And you'd pass by his house and he'd be standing in the hall with his hand on the wainscoting and the cage bird singing uh, above. And what happened was I uh, used to go from there down to a place on the North Main Street, a hardware store called O'Connor's, every Saturday morning to get his bird seed for him. And what he would do is he'd give me a shilling, two sixpences, matinee Saturday and matinee Sunday. Wow, yeah. You know, and it was, <laughs> I was in heaven, George. I mean, you can't believe how... Yeah. how, how how I felt about that and I had an incredible relationship with him and my grandmother um, arising out of it so that's how I, I became obsessed uh, with the film yeah. um, with, with movies and then and then uh, 25 30 years ago you and I met yes you ring me up I'm yeah. working in Ardmore yes. Studios doing the catering yeah. and you ring me up from the newspaper and say any rumours yeah <laughs> well one of the things about that as well was okay I was in the Irish press at the time and uh, I was trying to cover all aspects of the film and television industry and uh, one of the things you would always find is that guys like you who the guys that were on the set uh, the guys that were sort of interlocking with, you know, various personnel all the time. These were the guys who knew what was happening. And if they, and if they didn't know, uh, they could say, well, I'll, I'll verify that for you. Or I've heard this or haven't heard this, you know. And uh, that was great. Was yeah. Great. And then, like almost 14 years ago now, when, when I started, there was no doubt the right hook was going to have a movie slot. <laughs> and there was just nobody else but you. And here... I, rem- I remember I was on the news desk in the, in the evening press. Um, the, in the uh, Independent and I remember you ringing me up 
and what you said <laughs> and uh, the whole thing. And we started off, I think, in the first week, didn't we? We did. The yeah. very first week of The Right Hook. It might even have been the first show, but it was certainly the first week. Mm. Uh, that's for sure. The day, the, the days have changed, yeah. but it's remained you. And now, of course, a massive audience tuning in every Saturday night at 6 o'clock <laughs> to your very own programme. Yeah, yeah. That's great, Philip, and well-deserved. Thank you, thank you. Now, uh, Noonan yesterday, yeah. I think this was really interesting. My my ears perked up one of the few occasions during the budget speech when he talked about the film industry. What's he promised? Well, as you know, uh, film production in this country is kind of financed in two ways. First, there is the making of what they call indigenous uh, production, and that involves the film board investing in locally made and initiated sort of movies, Irish movies. And the second one then is the Section 481 um, scheme uh, by which um, companies from outside and film studios and producers and so on they invest in movies and what he's uh, there was a cap up to this year there was a cap of 50 million um, on what you could invest in that way and what he's done is he's increased the cap from uh, 50 to 70 million so that basically means is if you're making a movie for 70 million you can write off uh, part of the investment uh, to tax. Okay, all right. So and that will help the industry. That will help the industry. Although I saw a, a, um, a comment there from that uh, investment company, Bra- uh, Grant Thornton, um, today, where they said that it wasn't enough and that uh, the cap should have been abolished altogether. Uh, they're saying that there aren't that many uh, movies of the seventy million. Um, uh, in well, the, you in probably the concur with that no, you, no, as well, to what I, you get for well, seventy million yeah, in a movie. Yeah, yeah, I do to some extent, but I, I disagree that uh, there aren't. Aren't that many movies of seventy million being made? We uh, won't get Star Wars then. No, you, no, no, we won't get Star Wars. There's a lot of other people who won't get Star Wars as, as well. And Star Wars is it will be uh, retained in the UK, and it will be because of the film studios in the UK, and nobody else can compete. Maybe right. uh, the okay. West Coast, but, of the but at States. the same time, like it's really interesting yeah. that. Like Hollywood was where everybody made movies. And then suddenly Toronto came along yeah. and Toronto said, listen, we'll give you a better deal than yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. And astonishingly, movies that everybody would have assumed were going to be made uh, in Hollywood were yeah. made in Toronto. Yeah, mo- all- more and more that's happened uh, yeah. up in Vancouver and, and places like that. But as well in, in some of the, the, the other states throughout the United States, uh, yeah. they offer breaks. And, uh, you know, Georgia, for instance, is very, very uh, big right. film production is very big. But I was looking up uh, some of the uh, the recent uh, movies and their budgets. There's one called The Walk um, Out at the moment with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and that cost uh, $35 million. Sicario, which came out last week, a really good gang, uh, crime picture, that cost $30 million. These are movies that could okay. re- and e- we very could easily be made here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just before we close on that, mm. do you remember that movie uh, in which Donald Sun- Sutherland was a loony tank commander? Do you yes. remember that? Yeah, yeah. With with uh, uh, well, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood yeah, Kelly Sears, Kelly Sears. Apparently, they made that in in Eastern Europe somewhere, yeah. and the 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 country, whichever it was, yeah. sort of just said, "Do you want to knock a village down? Knock a village, village down, down yeah. you know." Yeah. And they gave them so much because they they understood yeah. the economic value of movies. No, absolutely, yeah, and. Um, 
Eastern Europe has become a sort of mecca for large-scale production in recent times. Um, we talked last week, was it, about the Martian. That was made in Budapest. Right. Uh, so you're up against that kind of thing, and you'll always be up against All that. All right. Martian. Now, I want to talk about two scandals, yeah. one old, one new. Yeah. I was in at the Lighthouse last night for the programme, Lance Armstrong. Okay. Did a question and answer with uh, David Welsh, the, the uh, sometimes journalist on whose book it's based. Now, the Volkswagen scandal it's going to be making into mm. a movie. Mm. So do you want to kind of take both of those okay. together on yeah. the issue of scandals? Okay, like? in the case of the Volkswagen scandal, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, he has a company called Appian Way Productions and he and Paramount Pictures, they've acquired the rights to an, an, a, a, an unpublished book as, as written by a guy called Jack Ewing, who's the New York Times European economics correspondent. Hasn't come out yet, but they've, 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 they've got in early and they've acquired the rights to it. And as you know, the, the the story here is is that the company placed illegal software in its clean diesel cars and 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 then that they could tell then when a car was being tested for fuel emissions and turn the emissions control to cheat the test that's basically yeah. what it was so um this is a, a huge I- issue and they're they're facing uh, fines of a uh, Volkswagen are facing fines of 18 billion dollars in the United States the chief executive uh, has been sacked their stock has gone uh, uh Plunging, and uh, it has it's had an enormous an yeah. enormous effect on the reputation of the company. Okay, now that's a movie to be made. made yeah. Have you seen the program? I have seen the program. Yeah, um, couple of interesting things in it, which David Walsh actually was quite humorous about. Mm. David's five foot six, and Chris O'Dowd is oh, six foot six. three. Yeah, we're back to that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it doesn't. I mean, you don't those those things don't matter yeah. at all. I remember they tried to make a deal about that. Peter O'Toole playing Lawrence because yeah. Lawrence was short and O'Toole was tall. That's irrelevant. Yeah. No, it is. Well, it is, and I, I do think, although you, you, you poo-pooed it before, the likes of Tom Cruise has proved that it is kind of irrelevant. You know, uh, I, Alan I, Ladd before Alan, Tom Alan Cruise. Ladd before him, but even recent ones like Mark Wahlberg, he's five foot eight. And, you know, he throws big guys around all Danny over the place. Danny DeVito. <laughs> well, Danny DeVito is, is, fair, is down the list. Cruz is five foot seven and a half. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Um, I, I, I remember the first time I saw Mel Gibson um, at the Cannes Film Festival at a press conference. And I was absolutely shocked how, at how tiny he was, you know. Uh, but uh, there you go. Anyway, but um, we're talking about the programme. And the program is the Lance Armstrong story. A couple of years ago, uh, a guy called Alex Givney made a documentary called The Armstrong Lie. Um, and it was what it was was uh, Givney had been doing um, a, a kind of salute uh, to Armstrong. And halfway through the, the production of this thing, Armstrong went on television on Oprah Winfrey and announced that he had been lying all along and that he had been taking performance-enhancing drugs. Now, that's, that was that. That was the documentary. What we have here, this Stephen Frears film, is a feature film, and it's more sort of classical in, in construction. It's basically about this guy whose uh, obsessive ambition uh, drove him to, to doing this. And he then meets an obsessive 
journalist, no, he, which, he does, which yeah. David Walsh will yeah. always admit to being yeah, obsessive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was a clash. Of and he titans, was right. Uh, well, yeah. The way it's presented in the movie, uh, in the Frears movie, is that um, is that um, uh, Walsh actually smelled a rat from very on in the process. Yeah. That this just was. He had seen him before, and he was a middle sort of range, a middle ranking sort of cyclist. And then he saw him after he started to take the drugs, and he said, "This is not happening. There's something yeah. wrong here." You know, and so it went on from there. Now you have a pan. Is this Peter Pan? This is Peter Pan. There's something I I don't know what it is, George. The the, the film industry is absolutely obsessed with this story. It's Peter Pan and J M Barry, and uh, in 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 this one, it's it's kind of it's kind of a prequel. Um, in that it's about uh, Peter Pan uh, uh, before he met uh, Captain Hook, and that's the story. And it's it's really a string of big, sort of colourful um, set pieces. It, it, this it, isn't a cartoon. No, it's not. And right. it's set. It's set in. Um, it, it's set in Neverland. The second half of it is set in Neverland. And again, it's a, a kind of a self-created Neverland. The director of this movie, Joe Wright, he created this huge forest. Um, and uh, it it works quite well, I think. It's it again, as I say, the the film industry seems to be obsessed with the story, and they've got it wrong in this one. I saw a story in the Hollywood Reporter yesterday saying that Pan was likely to lose 150 million dollars for Warner Brothers. So uh, it's not wow. working. It's, it'll collapse very quickly. I'd say at the box office. All right. Uh, I I never liked anything about Peter Pan. I didn't like the story. Don't pull your punches. No, I just never liked anything about it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I think Rupert the Bear was more my kind of thing. Um, But the the, um, Colin Farrell is marking time in his career at the moment. He's waiting the finished manuscript for me on my erotic novel. Uh, So, but in the meantime, he's doing a bit of work. He's doing a bit of work. I spoke to him last week um, and. he was in. He was just, we had it. We had the interview on the picture show last uh, Saturday night, and he was in great form. I have to say, I find him incredibly enjoyable. A very, very funny man. But anyway, he, he has. He's done a film called The Lobster, and it's um, directed by a, a Greek filmmaker, a guy called Yorgos Lanthimos, and he filmed it, George, down in Sneem in County Kerry. And it's a kind of it's a droll back a droll sort of black comedy um, in, in which Farrell plays this shy architect who's uh, who's dispatched uh, to an expansive hotel in the country when his wife leaves him. And in, apparently, the, the the law in this place is that if he ha- hasn't found another partner within forty five days, he'll be turned into an animal. And this this, this is what happened. Um, All right, this okay. is what this is what threatened. Sneem was where the the president of Ireland came from. Crowhurl uh, O'Dolly. Oh, is that right? That was, that was his neck of the woods. Yeah, mm. it's a gorgeous place. I wonder did they use the old Great Southern Hotel in Sneem? I wonder. Might very well have. It, yeah. it actually looks like it, George. Yeah. Does it? Yeah, yeah, it yeah that like was it. a great but, hotel. But in I, Rogers, I, yeah. yeah, I have to say I liked it. It's different, and it won't be everybody's cup of tea. But I, I liked it. I, I thought he was wonderful in it, and uh, there's some great supporting yeah. uh, players. Rachel Vice is in it. That's. Um, She's been around a while, but she's great. Olivia Coleman, John C. Riley, the American sort of rubber-faced actor, John C. Riley, he's in it. Okay, and, I uh, thought you might be interested. Farrell is doing a few um, screen tests for my erotic novel. <laughs> Here's a clip from one of the screen tests. Yeah, I've been eyeballing the phone for yeah. months now, and no ring, no nothing. Really, and your agents can't push can't this. Really to get a, can't really. I think George is playing hard to get. That's so, because after you read of his work... Unshockingly, it makes me want him more. (laughs) 
Yeah. No, that was a that was a cold read that Ian threw on me that time at the Special Olympics. Afterwards, did you feel a bit dirty? You had to say things that cause I did. I went I off. I, I scrubbed myself with a wire brush, <laughs> scalding water. <laughs> Just get rid of the echoes of, of that lascivious, lascivious <laughs> mind of George Hooks. See? He <laughs> knows you obviously well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the problem is my family are totally teed off about the prospects of reading this book by their father. Yeah. Um, would you have a view if Farrell were unavailable who would play me in this uh, oh, You're talking about height there a minute ago. You're talking about someone of your height. No, I don't think height is important, important. really. Okay, okay. Albert Finney would be suitably kind of when he's yeah, too old. No, for a young sort of uh, you know, a hot, young hot, yeah, young hot spirited uh, George Hook. I don't. I wouldn't see Albert Finney. Yeah, right. Okay, we might get Chris O'Dowd <laughs> now that Chris the program is too. over. Yeah. He's got the height and everything. We're the same yeah. height. Now you know my view on remakes. Yeah. I, they never get them right. Okay. So consequently, I don't believe a remake of Escape. Uh, no. from New York is going to be any good. Well, it, it, yeah, it varies. Um, but um, I, and, and generally speaking, we have another thing. If you have a look at that list that I've given you, there's another thing on it. Um, a, a, a listener asking, is it true that, or, or did he hear us saying that they're making, uh, they're doing a remake of The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? For God's sake, George, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, one of my rules is that you don't remake uh, John Ford if you remember the absolute botch they made a stagecoach, remember a stage. Oh, I'll first? never forget. Yeah, it. yeah, and uh, okay. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby as Doc Boone. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, to say Bing Crosby was okay. Wasn't okay, the worst. Actor. The no. worst guy was actually the John Wayne guy. Yes, yeah, he Alex, was Alex Cord. Alex, Alex Cord. He yeah, was appalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Margaret played Dallas in it. Yeah, I liked Anne Margaret. Yeah. I used to give her lunch on uh, the last remake oh, of yeah, Beaujest. Beaujest. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the the thing about that was Ford at the time actually said, and with Stagecoach, Ford at the time said, well, you know, why was it necessary to remake it? And the producer, uh, a guy called Martin Rahin, I think his name, um, he actually said, if you had done it right the first time, we wouldn't have had to remake it. <laughs> he he did said not. to Ford, yeah, yeah, what a cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, that's one. And you're talking then as well about... Um, about Escape uh, from Escape, New York. That Escape was John Carpenter. John John Carpenter. Um, and it was a, a ba- it's basically about uh, Manhattan Island. It's set in the future. Manhattan Island has been turned into this uh, maximum security prison. The Air Force One, this the president's plane, is attacked and an escape pod uh, containing the president then crashes down into uh, Manhattan Island. And this character, um, who was played by Kurt Russell in the first film, uh, called Play, Snake uh, Pliskin. He's an outlaw and he's sent in basically to rescue the president. Uh, at the moment, Fox has employed this writer, a fellow called Neil Cross, who created the Luther series. Remember Luther on television, the Idris Elba yeah. series on television? And he's uh, doing a polish on the script at the moment. And they're talking about it as uh, having the same business potential as the uh, revived Planet of the Apes. All right. OK, uh, look, you're a great book man yeah. and I always uh-huh. follow your advice. You have uh-huh. a book for me? This is very funny, I have to say. Uh, OK, it's a book called Real History. R-W-E-L. R-W-E-L. History. Uh, the World of 
according to the movies and I, uh, Atlantic Books sent it to me and it looks at the way history is represented in the cinema basically. Oh right, now, okay. Commenting on Alexander, Oliver Stone's Alexander, it says that the real Alexander co- conquered Turkey. Oliver Stone just made one, it says. <laughs> Braveheart, it describes as serves up a, a great big haggis of lies. Alan Richman, it says, seemed to be the only one in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, who realised that it was a pantomime. Consequently, he's hilarious and everyone else is just terrible. And it's it's quite complimentary about one of your favourites, Zulu, although it says that there's a disgraceful lack of appropriately fulsome moustaches uh, among the cast. And, the, and again, here we are back to the question of height. Colour Sergeant, the Colour Sergeant, played by Nigel Green, is presented as a big, bellowing, middle-aged bear. And he was, in fact, a skinny, diminutive 24-year-old who had the nickname The Kid. And uh, the, the, the the final part um, of it then is is uh, is one. Well, it's not the final part. There's loads of uh, of other stuff in it. But one of the the one I have on your list there is for Waterloo. Waterloo is the film that was made by uh, with starred Rod Steiger. Uh, he gave, he actually he was offered Patton and he decided to That's do right. this this instead. Uh, yeah, Rod, Rod Steiger, Christopher Plummer, the Soviet Army loaned the the director, a guy called Sergei Bondarchuk, uh, Russian filmmaker. They loaned him. 15,000 infantry and 2,000 cavalry and um, uh, and, and so th- these were all to play basically uh, 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 French, British and Prussian soldiers and that was all convincingly done. Unfortunately the dialogue wasn't up to scratch and by God sir I've lost my leg Terence Alexander exclaims at one stage. Uh, he plays a guy called Lord Uxbridge and um, Wellington replies by God sir so you have. <laughs> <laughs> Terence Alexander, he was in uh, The Private Eye, he The was. Policeman in the Channel S- Islands. in the Channel Islands, he was, yeah. Bergerac. Bergerac, yeah. yeah. I like Terence Alexander. Yeah, he played his father-in-law or something like that. Yeah. How are you doing on Homeland? I haven't seen an episode. Well, I, I saw the first one, which I really liked, and uh, I, I I didn't see last night, so I was down the country, obviously. But uh, Oh, you uh, got your award last night. So, you couldn't do it. So, I, so we don't know whether she started crying in episode two or not. No, episode three is when she starts to cry. So that'll be next week. <laughs> Apparently she cried last night. Mark Simpson's a keen, the producer's oh, a keen keeps, Homeland fan. He keeps an account. He keeps, he keeps a crying count, a tear count. <laughs> All right, what have we got in the picture show? Saturday night, 6 o'clock, well, rugby permission. Yeah, well, one um, good thing we have is the kind of legendary, the film legend, uh, Jacqueline Bissett is on it, and she talks about working with Steve McQueen, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all kinds of people. All right, so It's really okay. good. I, well, I hope it's a good interview. All right. Oh, Dean Martin, an airplane. An airport. 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 With Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. And Adam. Jean Seberg. Jean Seberg. Yeah. Jean Seberg. Yeah, yeah. Us French people call it Jean, Jean Seberg. Seberg. <laughs> Thanks, Philip. Congratulations Thank you, on your fellowship. Uh, from, from now on, do we address you as Sir Philip? Just say Malloy. <laughs> Malloy will be fine.